As I said, I'm Steve, and um, I'm one of the leaders in church, and it is a real privilege to share something with you today. Um, and, um, you know, on our well-being course, so if I could have the next slide, we often talk about drawing a timeline for our lives, and we often expect our timeline for it to go up and for us to get things to get better in life that it be linear that we have happiness that life and family life is sorted out and jobs and money and things are sorted out but the reality is unfortunately a little bit different it has lots of ups and downs and you know I've had some really big probably three big uh moments where life seemed to knock me back and that's the reality of life um and you know so we're going to look at joseph today who was a person who experienced life's knocks um it's in our series called genesis people and we're going to look at joseph this week and next week and then he seems to somehow achieve success, fulfilling his hopes and dreams. But don't get turned off by Joseph, the wonderful Technicolor dream coat, Andrew Lloyd Webber production that he gets there in the end and all that sort of jazz. Don't get put off if your own life doesn't seem, particularly this moment, to be that kind of tremendous, up-to-the-right, incredible place of success. Because I think God has a different perspective than the world does about success. And we need to capture hold of that in our lives. You see, God isn't the one who knocks us down, I don't think. But he is the one that uses this as a growing point for our lives, to shape our characters, to enable us to be who God really wants us to be. Our lives really, really matter, each one of us, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Patrick Regan, in his book on resilience, makes this point, that when we get knocked down or knocked back, we want to bounce back to where we were. To, and yet, in each knockdown, it can be a place of growth. So his book on resilience isn't called Bouncing Back. It is called Bouncing Forward. There's something to learn and to grow in each knockdown in life. So my talk this morning, I'm going to give you four points. They are big, small, growth and small is in the big, okay? So if you've got that, we can all go home now. That's my sermon, okay? Um, perhaps they don't tell you a great deal, but we'll get there, okay? So let's look at the life of Joseph. We're going to look at Genesis 39, if you want to turn to that in your, your Bible. But before we do that, we're just going to give a little bit of background. Because there's lots of chapters in the Bible on Joseph, and it's impossible for me to read all that this morning. So Joseph was the favoured son of Jacob. His father gave him a multicoloured coat. So his brothers hated him. They envied him. And to make matters worse, he told them about dreams that he'd had about them all bowing down before him. This and a few other things led to the brothers throwing him in a pit and planned to kill him. At the last minute, they changed their minds and he sold into slavery. So let's read together from Genesis 39. 
Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who'd taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't need to concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself about anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Eventually, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of sexual harassment. And so Joseph is sent to prison. And let's continue reading in verse 20. So Joseph is back in prison. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and favour and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder took Joseph, put Joseph in charge of all those in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So then, through Joseph interpreting dreams or looking to God to interpret dreams in the prison, he then was asked to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams and does that in, with God's help. And then moving on to chapter 41 and reading from verse 41, we read... So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. This is chapter 41, verse 41 for those following the Bibles. I thereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took out his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted out before him, make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph was certainly someone who knew about knockbacks and yet he bounces forward, becomes second in command to Pharaoh. So our subject today is a very simple title, Knocked Back, Bouncing Forward. 
knocked back, bouncing forward. How can we bounce forward when life knocks us down? Because to be sure, it will do. It will do, sadly. So my first point that enable us to bounce forward is we need to realise the big. The big hope and purpose that God puts on this world and our lives. Well, last week we saw a very powerful video of Nick Wojcik, who was born with no legs and no arms. And he said the key for him to continue with life was purpose, which brings meaning and hope. Purpose, meaning, hope. That's what helped him. And Joseph seems to just bounce forward despite his knocks, doesn't he? We don't read of his soul-searching and anguish that we all feel in our knocks down, which is natural. And yet, Joseph being human surely would have struggled just like us. We read of his good responses and we're left to wonder why he responded as he did and how he managed to respond. I wonder, I wonder if Joseph had a sense of purpose, a sense of destiny from his dreams, his dreams of being in power over his brothers and people bowing down to him, that God, he felt that this was a dream from God and that somehow God had a good plan for his life and this is what enabled him to have hope in his prison place. Was it this destiny that kept him going through the knocks of life? thrown into a pit, sold as a slave, unjustly in prison for several years. What was he thinking? Was it the dream of power and destiny that gave him purpose and meaning in his prison and pain? I think knowing God's big picture can help us, and it has certainly helped me in my own times of struggle, and it can help us to bounce forward as, as it did for a guy, I'm just going to read his story, a guy called Ben Carson. Ben Carson, the pioneering African-American neurosurgeon and former presidential candidate, he grew up as a ghetto kid broken in a broken family in a series of poor, crime-ridden neighbourhoods. But his dream was to become a psychiatrist or a doctor, as the end of his first semester came at Yale, Carson knew that it was very likely to fail his class and that this would effectively end his dream of pursuing medicine. The day before his chemistry exam, in sheer desperation and terror, he tried praying. My mind reached towards God, a desperate yearning, begging, clinging to him, and then he continued to work and then flopped into bed, whispering in the darkness, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for failing you, failing myself. And then he slept. And then came the dream that changed his life. While I slept, I had a strange dream. And when I awakened in the morning, it remained as vivid as if it had actually happened. In the dream, I was sitting in a chemistry lecture hall, the only person there. The door opened and a nebulous figure walked into the room, stopped at the board and started working out the chemistry problems. I took notes of everything he wrote. 
Of course, remembering his dream the following morning, Carson concluded that his mind have be, must have been so busy with chemistry at bedtime that he continued to working out his problems in his sleep. But he took it seriously, the dream, and enough to write down as much of the dream he could remember, including the problems he'd seen on the board. A little while later, he set off nervously to join the 600 students in the exam hall for their all-important chemistry paper. Heart-pounding, he opened the booklet and read the first problem. The exam problems were ex identical to those written by the shadowy dream figure in his sleep. Ben Carson found that he was able to answer most of the questions by transcribing from memory the writing he'd seen on the board in a dream the night before. It was an extraordinary experience. He left the hall in a daze, trying to process what had just happened and whether the things he'd written down had made any sense whatsoever. Ben Carson had passed his pre-med chemistry exam with a score of 97. Remarkable. It was to be the turning point of his life, not just academically, but also psychologically. From that moment onwards, he had a new sense of destiny. His insecurity was gone. There was no longer any doubt in his mind that God had special things for me to do. At the age of multiple awards, but at the age of 50, he was named by Time magazine of one of America's 20 foremost physicians and scientists. In 2008, he was bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian award in the United States. Pete Gregg writes, either we must conclude that Ben Carson made the whole thing up, that is, that, that one of the most distinguished and respected in America has in fact been lying for years consistently and unnecessarily regarding a very minor detail from his freshman exams. Or we must conclude that God did step in to answer his prayers at the critical moment in life, setting him on a course for an extraordinary career of public, exemplary public service. In life... Um, we often see our purpose to achieve like Joseph or to become a doctor like Carson. That's why knockdown, sorry, knockdown, lockdown and COVID was so devastating for us all because we had these goals that we, we wanted to do and then suddenly they weren't there. That's why we found it so difficult. And, you know, the media often tells people, you see it, you know, Olympic times, I tried my best and, and I got there. You just have to do your best. Just keep trying. Follow your dreams. You'll get there. You'll get there. Well, actually, we can't all be in the World Cup football team, can we? Men or women. We can't all be famous accent actors. We can't all be prime ministers. Maybe we wouldn't want to be, perhaps. But um, we, you know, we can't all be millionaires, because then there'll be poor people as well. Many of us who have had, many of us had a dream or a goal that we're just, life just seems to knock us back and knock us back from. And we begin to fear that we will never reach it. Or we're angry at God or others who've stopped achieving that goal in life. Our problem is life, in life is often we've got the wrong primary goal. And so when it doesn't happen, we struggle.
Our primary goal actually is to become a person of love. To become the person God wants us to be. And there are many reasons why I am a Christian, but I think one of them is because I think there's, there is this wonderful bigger picture that God is making in this world. That there is real meaning because there really is a God. I think Joseph saw this bigger picture and helped him bounce forward. At the end of Genesis, Joseph concludes that he sees purpose in the struggles of his life. Talking to his brothers, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, saving many, many lives. I think there is always hope as a Christian, an expectation of coming good, not just some wishful thinking that hope is often described as, but as Christians, hope is a certainty of coming good based on the character and nature of God. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope as we get older. It gives us hope there is life beyond death. There is this incredible hope that Christians have. You and I are not just a random bunch of chemicals on a lump of rock near a very ordinary star somewhere in the middle of our galaxy that is slowly getting cold and will die out. Life has meaning and purpose because God is good and will put it right. What's more, each of us have a part to play in this. But this links to my third and my fourth point about the part we play. But for now, I want us to come to my second point, which is this, is that we need to see God in the small. And as we begin to see God in the small, we can see his big picture of hope and purpose. You see, somehow, so my second point is small, seeing God in the small Somehow Joseph is positive in life's knockdowns. There's very little record of his bitterness, if any. To be sure, to be human, he would have felt the injustice. He would have been angry. Yet all the Bible says is that God was with Joseph. The big thing, to be free from slavery or prison, was not happening for Joseph, was it? But I think he must have seen God doing things in, in the small, in the knockdown, in the struggles. He saw God there. The success in Potiphar's house, for example. Even Potiphar <laughs> attributes it to the Lord. I, I think Joseph probably did then, didn't he? And then in prison we read that the Lord showed him kindness. Pete Gregg in the Unanswered Prayer Course talks about don't ask why of God when you're in the knockdowns the knockbacks instead ask where are you God often it's we're not airlifted out of the situation but actually he parachutes in in the story it says again and again that God is was with Joseph and God has promised to be even with you and I even if 
we don't always feel that he's there. Seeing God in the small helped Joseph, I believe, to help and will help us to see the big purpose. That God is going to put things right. And this brings meaning in the knockdown. That we have something to play. There is always meaning. There, it is ne- no moment is ever meaningless as a Christian. I think that's tremendous and exciting. So let's look at my third point, which is about growth of character. And this often happens in life's knockdowns. That's certainly true in my life, although I've still got a long way to go, you understand. From God's perspective, we who are, you know, it's who we become is more important than what we do. Whether we become a doctor, whether we become second in command, whether we have this position in a World Cup or football team. It's who we become as a character that really, really matters. It's not even so much what we do, but it's the way that we do it is really critical. There's a totally different understanding of how things are than the world sees success. As I said before, God's not the one who causes knockdowns in life. But he uses these as growing points, shaping our character and enabling us to be who God wants us to be. I think it's when we're in the depths, we cry out to God, isn't it? And we learn a dependence on God. You see, before Joseph went into captivity, I think there was an arrogance about him, wasn't there? The way that he treated his brothers who were older than him. I think as a slave or in prison, he had time to reflect. Perhaps he realised the reason why his brothers hated him so much. His pride, his arrogance. And yet in the the lockdown, in the knockdown... It resulted in that, I think, a growth of humility and a dependence on God. Joseph seems to have developed a strong dependence on God. And when people come to him asking for, you know, telling telling them their dreams, he immediately says, oh, God can do this. God will give the interpretation. There seems to be this relationship that he has about depending on God that perhaps wasn't there before. And also, he doesn't want to offend God by sinning. There's some kind of relationship. He knows God, what what God likes and what God doesn't like. There is this relationship that I think there's coming out. For Joseph, it was the character shaped in the knockbacks that enabled him to be that leader that he became. That person of humility and serving, of courage, excellence, faithfulness, integrity and wisdom. It was that character development in that knockback. And then the fourth point, which I want us all to to grasp, is small is big. What we do counts. As Sue said last week, our goal should be to become the right person, even in the wrong circumstances. Joseph is a great example of this. Joseph did things with excellence. He did things with integrity. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? We need to aim to be the right person. 
in the wrong circumstances. This brings meaning in our knockbacks. But we need to not be too hard on ourselves. Because when you're knocked down, to be the right person is difficult, isn't it? So we need to exercise self-compassion. But that's what we should try to be, okay? But we also need to remember, I think, that the big, sorry, the small is big in God's world. You see, God wants us to participate and be co-workers in the coming of his good that is coming into the world. Our contribution matters in the here and now, whatever our circumstances. You know, let your little, Jesus in me can change the world, we sang. Let your little light shine. A simple prayer can change a life or the course of history. Just loving. In actual fact, I think that loving or doing the right thing in the dark place and in the knockback, just have a think about this, actually has more power in the kingdom of God than when I'm doing things in the good place. Because in the good place, I'm just doing because it's easy. But when it's in the dark place, that little thing I'm doing, actually I'm doing it because for God or for people. Or, and I think that has incredible power. The small is big. So, knocked back, bouncing forward, some things that might help you. The big, the hope and purpose. The small, seeing God in the small. Growth, our character matters so much in this life and in the life to come. And small is big. I love the words at the end of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah's prophecy. If we can have the next slide. There we go. It says of God that he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even young youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, hope perhaps translated wait or look to, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings, saw on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. The beautiful truth is that when we hope in God, we can soar like eagles to be sure it is not easy in our knockbacks, but they can be places to bounce forward. Let's pray before we respond in worship. Lord, I thank you that you see all our hearts today where we are, whether we're struggling or not. Help us to know how much you care and how much you love us. Help us, Lord, to have your perspective on life. 
that you are good and help us to see you in life circumstances. Help us to see that it's not all about what we do, but it's about who we're becoming. Help us to see our value in your kingdom too, that our small thing can have such power. Lord, above all, put your hope in our hearts, your certainty of coming good, that we may be people of love and Jesus in me can change the world. Amen.